Hi, Joel Johnson here, welcoming you to another Rainmaker podcast. Today we're going to talk about the letters I send out, and they are called From the Desk of Joel. And I want to be real clear that these are not our regular newsletters. We, like many of you, send out newsletters every month. Um, they're full of uh, content uh, about you know what's going on with the employees of the office. Are we taking on any new initiatives as a company? A little bit of comment about the market. Um, maybe uh, some some uh, a little grid on how the market's done this year. We put a recipe in our newsletter. Um, just kind of some fun things, just to um, touch our our clients. But it's not real heavy on the information of the market or investments and so on. Just some light commentary and more of uh, just something people seem to look forward to. But then I send out something called From the Desk of Joel, and it's a very, very personal letter. And I would suggest all of you do this, but if you're going to do this, it needs to be done right. Um, It is not a tool to prospect for more business. It's not a tool to convince people of your investment philosophy. It's a tool for you to connect. And the best way to connect is for you to be vulnerable and talk about things that are important but maybe even hurtful or difficult for you to go through. Um, Talk about kids. Talk about grandkids. Talk about veterans. Talk about things that you and your spouse are learning if you're married. Uh, travels, anything like that where people can feel like they get to know you better. Because I can't tell you how many times I've had somebody come up to me during the events that we might have, the client events, and saying how much they appreciate the From the Desk of Joel letters. I've never had anybody come up to me and say how much they appreciate my market commentary. And so um, so I would really encourage you to do this. So let me just give you some, some ideas here. Those of you that have been to the Bo Eason training, you know, if you just think of something to start the letter with, it's easy to get through it. And the last two of these I did, I just talked them into, a, uh, into an iPhone. I emailed the recording over to Michelle, who uh, writes some copy for us in the marketing department, and she just uh, makes it make sense. I kind of ramble. She makes it make sense, and then I'll take a last look at it and maybe um, tweak some things or arrange some things. So this is not a lot of work. Um, but, you know, again, if you can start out with the old Bo Eason um, style, that'll help get you going. So, you know, for instance, uh, when I was 16, I graduated from high school. I was always two years younger than everybody in my class. And because of that, I had a very difficult time. That's all true. It's a great way to start a letter. I haven't started one like that, but maybe I will. Um, another one would be, you know, when I was 36 years or um, when I was 41 years old, uh, my, my youngest brother, Jeff, died in a motorcycle accident. It's a good way to start a letter. You're going to talk about some real gutsy stuff. And remember, when people are reading this, they're relating to you because they all know somebody that, you know, died prematurely or they all remember back to their high school days. So let me just give you a couple examples, um, just a couple random examples. I've been doing this for three years. Um, One is I'm talking about, uh, I'll just read it to you. As our seasons change here in New England, I was reflecting on how seasons in life can also change. Good things are left behind many times before we know what lies ahead. As an example of this change, the first year that none of my sons will be playing baseball. All four of my sons played baseball at some point with some degree of intensity while growing up. Brandon, my eldest, graduated from college a few years back and has settled into life in Boston. Mike is out west attending University of Colorado. Joel is a senior in high school and decided that he's going to um, go to UConn, but he plays hockey, and so he stopped playing baseball to play hockey. And Noah, my youngest, is a sophomore in high school. And then I go on to talk about how seasons of life can change, and it's the middle that's difficult. Many times life has highs and lows. 
the lows are obviously between the highs. And so I just, I go on and on. And at the end, I kind of relate it back to our firm, that our firm is growing and uh, it's an exciting time for us. And we owe this growth to our clients. And as we go through the spring and summer months this year, let's remember to appreciate each other um, because time does fly by fast. So that just kind of gives you an idea of uh, from the desk of Joel letter. Um, another one I talk about... Um, um, some work I did with a company with an organization called American Dream University where I went down and spoke to uh, military members and uh, we talk a little bit about the transition from the military back into civilian life how difficult it is especially for enlisted guys and uh, some of the challenges that they have in leaving this um, atmosphere of camaraderie and going back into the workforce where things are kind of more me myself and I versus camaraderie um, another one here's uh, just read you this other one um, or at least part of it. It says, when I was 11 years old, my dad took me down to the bank to open my first checking account. That's right. I was 11 years old, and the year was 1973. At that time, my dad taught me how the process worked. We didn't have computers back then. So you would put money in, keep track of the checks you wrote by balancing your checkbook and using the ledger, and then you compare your numbers to the statement at the end of the month that you received in the mail. I remember the first time I wrote a check. I went to Target in Bloomington, Minnesota, and bought a baseball glove, because I was going out for the baseball team. I remember how good I felt when I wrote and signed that first check. And yes, back then, an 11-year-old could write a check. To think about, I think about that experience still today, and I wonder what lessons grandparents today can teach their grandchildren. And I go into this lesson about um, grandparents teaching their children stuff. And then I say, flash forward to today, my 17-year-old son Noah has his own PayPal, eBay, and Amazon accounts, which are all linked to his personal bank account. However... What was bad when I was growing up was that I didn't know how a mortgage worked and I didn't know the danger of debt and how interest rates can, can compound and so on. And uh, grandparents should teach their kids about debt and so on and so forth. So a little bit of financial stuff in there, but it's really, I'm, I'm talking about my son, my children, when I was a kid, how I felt when I opened up my first bank account and made my own purchase uh, with my own money. And so this is the idea that I want you to get from these from the desk of Joel or whatever your first name is, letters. Um, send them out. I think we send ours out about every six or eight weeks. It's kind of whenever I get around to doing them, my staff will bug me that I haven't done one in a while. But it will make a deep, deep connection between you and your clients. And again, talk about the difficult things. If you're having a hard time with your kids leaving the house and you and your wife being empty, empty nesters, talk about that. If you're having a hard time with having to deal with maybe parents that are aging and need help, talk about that. Yeah, if you have a son or daughter or a grandchild that's struggling maybe with some pretty tough issues, um, maybe it's addiction or mental health issues or so on, you know, talk about that to the extent that you can. People will relate. Everybody has stuff going on in their lives, and it's boring when all we hear about is how awesome people are. You know, oh, I'm awesome. I got my life together. You know, I run every day, and I drive 17 miles to you know, to the mountain that I hike up and down and I swim through ice water and, you know, I set all my goals and achieve them all and blah, blah, blah. And nobody gives a crap. You know, what people care about is redemption. I mean, think about Tiger Woods. You, nobody cared about anybody else during the Masters but Tiger Woods. Yeah, maybe they cared a little bit. But 80% of the people were following Tiger. And when he won that master, it was like, wow, it was electric. It was magic. Even if you were sitting there watching it in your own home. Why? Because it's redemption, right? It's a guy that screwed up his life 
way big time, you know, with his wife. And then he gets arrested for um, driving under the influence and he loses his endorsements. He loses his kids and so on and so forth. He has back surgery because he wrecked his back when he was younger, swinging so hard. And he comes back and he wins the Masters like 15 or 20 years after he won his first one. That's what people want. People want to hear that tough, um, difficult stuff. And then they want to hear stories of redemption, how you're getting through it. So anyway, long-winded one there, I think. But uh, wanted to, again, get into... I guess it wasn't that long-winded. We're at 8 minutes and 30 seconds. But I wanted to get into how these From the Desk of Joel letters work. And I would encourage each and every one of you to do it. But you got to do it right. Don't make it boring. Make it gutsy. Make it difficult. Forget about the fact if the writing's not as pretty as you want it. Talk about things from the heart and you will connect with your clients. 